Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. And now, Veep Thoughts by Kamala Harris. We all watched the television coverage of just yesterday. That's on top of everything else that we know and don't know yet based on what we've just been able to see and because we've seen it or not doesn't mean it hasn't happened. But just limited to what we have seen. This has been Veep Thoughts by Kamala Harris. Stu does America. So have you noticed uh, your gas prices going up at all? Has that been anything that you've happened to maybe notice here or there? I don't know. A couple more dollars coming out of your bank account to fill up. I've noticed it a little bit. I think pretty much everybody has at this point. And of course, this is (laughs) Vladimir Putin's fault. Uh, entirely Vladimir Putin's fault. I assume that's what uh, we had in our latest important press briefing. This, of course, uh, from the White House to TikTokers. The White House is briefing TikTok stars about the war in Ukraine. That's where we are. Khalil Green, 21, a creator with more than 534,000 followers on TikTok, said he wasn't surprised when an invitation arrived from the White House. He said, people in my generation get all our information from TikTok. Which is great because not only is it the dumbest format ever created by mankind, it's completely controlled by the Chinese government. So a wonderful, wonderful uh, development uh, here in our ongoing war against the American people. Kind of a fascinating uh, week to see all of the craziness from the White House. Uh, You know, the, the White House is trying to now come up with this grand strategy to convince you that, you know, the gas price thing, either not really a big deal or not really their fault or nothing they could do about it, or maybe you should just buy a Tesla or whatever their current spin is. I mean, it was only a few months ago when the White House was tweeting this. The average price of gas is down nearly 10 cents per gallon since last month's month's peak and prices continue to fall. Read more about our progress at the pump and POTUS's ongoing work to bring down prices here. So when the prices were going down just a tick after a large increase, the Biden administration took credit for that because of their policies. Now that they're going up, they're blaming everybody else. And they've gone through one particular claim that you may have seen that I think it's time to just thoroughly smash and debunk. This idea that, look, the oil companies, as greedy as they are, just don't want to pump oil from all the existing leases that we have. This was rolled out by one, uh, the one and only Jen Psaki the other day. We have actually produced more oil. It is at record numbers, and we will continue to produce more oil. There are 9,000 approved Mm. drilling permits that are not being used. So the suggestion that we are not allowing companies to drill is inaccurate. The suggestion that that is what is hindering or preventing gas prices to come down is inaccurate. Are they really greedy? 
Or are they just leaving 9,000 oil leases just sitting there vacant for no particular reason? Hmm, It's fascinating. Uh, Biden made this same claim. They have 9,000 permits to drill now. They could be drilling right now, yesterday, last week, last year. They have 9,000 to drill onshore that are already approved. So let me be clear. Let me be clear. They are not using them for production now. That's their decision. These are the facts. Mm. We should be honest about the facts. And I've never had a problem with Joe Biden being clear. He's usually crystal clear uh, and precise with all of his language. In fact, the White House is trying to convince you of this point so much, they actually produced a video with Jen Psaki to get it across to you. There are a few facts you should be aware of. U.S. production of oil and gas is rising. In fact, in the first year of the Biden presidency, there was more oil and gas produced in the United States than the first year of the Trump presidency. And what? And there's opportunities to produce more from here. Oh. But part of this is on the oil companies. Right now, there are 9,000 nine, approved unused permits nine, that oil nine. and gas companies could tap into now to ramp up production. Mm. So what the president is doing is ensuring we're taking steps here to get more oil out into the global marketplace. That includes the release of 40 million barrels from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve back in the fall. And he just announced their planned release of an additional 30 million barrels. Okay, there's so much much to go through here. First of all, notice the comparison. The first year of Biden was higher than the first year of Trump. Well, are we supposed to be idiots here? You're coming off a president in President Obama who was really against new oil production, as we uh, all know. Trump gets into office as he's trying to implement his new policies. His lowest year is, of course, his first year because his new policies are not really in effect yet. Instead of comparing it to 2020, he compares it to 2017. Uh, And so does Saki here. Biden's first year was higher than Trump's first year. Now, of course, the same thing applies on the other side. Biden comes in with anti-oil production strategies that aren't fully implemented yet. So his 2021, his first year, is still basically the last year of the Trump administration, uh, at least uh, in effect. So obviously a faulty uh, comparison there. The other part of it is uh, they're bragging about releasing oil out of the uh, strategic oil reserve in the middle of a, a crisis that the strategic oil reserve was designed to deal with. When you have wars, you have a strategic oil reserve to make sure you can fuel your military if a war breaks out. I don't know if anyone's noticed the news lately, but we're kind of close to that line. Maybe a few cent drop in gas prices is not worth emptying the military's emergency fuel supply. But over and over again, you hear that claim, 9,000 wells, 9,000 wells. We've talked to you a little bit about this when Biden first made this claim, but I want to go through some uh, some uh, I want to go into a little bit more depth here. Uh, Steve Malloy, who's been on the show before, um, is a guy who works uh, and studies the oil industry pretty closely, has a real depth of knowledge when it comes to this stuff. And he went on a, a lengthy uh, Twitter thread to try to explain to everybody how this stuff really works. And I'm going to give you some highlights from it. It was it was long and in depth. And I encourage you to read the entire thing. Now, you hear 9,000 leases. Well, right off the bat, 2,200 leases are, are uh, in debate right now. Industry is in court defending over 2,200 leases, most of which cannot be developed while those cases are ongoing. 
He goes on, companies must put together a complete leasehold before moving forward, particularly with the long horizontal wells that can cut across multiple leases. Sometimes a new lease is is needed to combine with existing leases to make a full unit. So if you think about it this way, if, uh, you know, you had you 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 leased three, uh, three. Uh, um, plots of land that are next to each other, you might have leases for two of them, but if you don't get the third one, you're not able to drill completely, so you have to wait for that third one to come in, and the other two cannot be used. Uh, He goes on, since the Biden leasing ban remains in effect with no onshore leases sales, new lease sales since 2020, some leases are held up waiting for new leases or for the government to combine them into a formal unit. Well, what, what do you mean lease ban? We were just told that the Biden administration is all for drilling and making sure production is as high as possible. Record levels. Remember that, of course. Of course, when you look back, you remember that Joe Biden put a ban in on onshore leasing. And in fact, the only reason that that ban was lifted is because a U.S. judge ordered resumption in federal drilling auctions because it was overturned in the courts. So he tried to ban these leases. But it didn't work out. It got overturned in the courts. Now, on the other side of this, there were some uh, drilling leases in the Gulf of Mexico. These were from the Trump era. The Biden administration did not want to do them. But because of the way the court's early uh, decisions worked out, they felt they had to go on with these offshore leases in the Gulf of Mexico. Well, the court stepped in and helped Biden on this one, saying that it would be too much of a problem with global warming. And the Biden administration decided instead of fighting that, because you know how much they love oil production, instead of fighting that and appealing it, they decided they would not appeal the revoking of these oil leases. So they've done everything they can to make sure new oil leases are not granted. They fought on one side to prevent them initially, eventually losing in court. When they lost in court for new oil leases, they didn't challenge it. They've gone every which way to contort themselves to make sure new oil leases were not started. Steve Malloy goes on. Before allowing development on leases, the government conducts an environmental analysis under uh, the National Environmental Policy Act, which often takes years to complete. Many leases can be hung up by uh, NAPA or awaiting other government approvals. So you get the lease. You want to drill your oil. But the government blocks you with endless environmental regulations and investigations. These are some of the 9,000 leases they're talking about. Not all leases will be developed because after conducting exploratory work, companies may determine that there are not sufficient quantities of oil or natural gas on them. This is something we talked about, uh, I think, last week. If you get if you get a lease approved, you go in and you explore because you believe there's going to be oil there. Well, you might find out that there is not enough oil there to make it worth it or that the oil is so difficult to get to that it's just not economically viable to drill there. That doesn't mean that you uh, don't want to drill oil. Again, it's the pitch from the Biden administration where we hear about how greedy these oil companies are. Well, if they had tons and tons of oil they could just pump and make endless amounts of money, why wouldn't they be doing that? They're not doing that because either it doesn't make economic sense and they would lose money, or there's no oil there in the first place, or, of course, they're held up with the government. Uh, For example, there are 4,621 permits to drill awaiting approval. The government could approve these permits now, enabling companies to forward with development. There are about 9,173 outstanding approved permits, but these are there are factors that cause companies to wait to drill those wells. 
And of course, the problem here is that these companies never know what the hell is going on with the government. They come in and they have Donald Trump as president, who's friendly toward uh, their industry uh, and oil production. And they start these development projects and then they get knocked out in court or by the Biden administration when they come in. And, and this is not a, some crazy thing that I'm making up. The Biden administration literally ran on stopping Donald Trump from doing all these evil things to the environment as they caused it, uh, called it. Remember day one and week one and month one of the Biden presidency? Here's the headline. And this is with lots of help from the Biden uh, press office to make sure that this stuff got out there because it was everywhere. The Trump administration rolled back more than 100 environmental rules. Here's the full list. So Trump was very, very uh, evil. And you see here 30 uh, air pollution and emissions to 19 drilling and extraction uh, uh, bans. And they were uh, over overruled. And you see over and over again that the Biden administration came back to right those wrongs. That was their big philosophy. They believed they could come in and say, hey, we are the environmental saviors you've been looking for. And they came in and he, you know, Biden went to work almost immediately to make sure there was absolutely no sign of what the evil Trump administration did left. They went hard to overturn Trump's efforts to make fossil fuels much more uh, plentiful here in the country and around the world to 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 pad the global market for events just like the ones we're facing now. Malloy goes on, because of the uncertainty of operating on federal lands, companies must build up a sufficient inventory of permits before rigs can be contracted and to ensure the permits stay ahead of the rigs. It's a delicate balancing act. You know, this is not like, okay, uh, that lease is approved, let's go over there. They have to make sure everything is in line because all of this costs a fortune. It's all a lot of giant capital outlays at the beginning uh, before you start getting the profits out of these wells. Federal permit to drill is not the only government approval required. Rights of way can take years to acquire before companies can access their leases and put in natural gas gathering systems. The administration has worked with anti-oil and gas activists to slow pipeline infrastructure. Without pipelines to move the oil and natural gas produced, wells cannot be developed. Do you see why there's thousands of wells that are not developed? Capital must be acquired. Activist investors, encouraged by an administration intent on expanding its financial regulatory powers, have worked to debank and decapitalize the industry. I don't know if you've heard of this idea before, where the administration and activists work with companies and banks and financial institutions to make sure unfavored industries are no longer able to do their business. You might want to read about it in The Great Reset, a book available now from our one and only Glenn Beck. It's exactly what the book's about. And it's what Biden and the left have been doing on energy for quite some time. The Biden administration has gone to great freaking lengths to blame everybody but themselves for the rise in gas prices. So let me give you a, just a brief rundown. This is from the Washington Free Beacon. Just some of the excuses they've given so far. Gas prices already the highest in U.S. history. Uh, the national average $4.23 a gallon tonight. I'm going to work like the devil to bring gas prices down. The significant reason why prices are up 
is because of COVID affecting the supply chain. He is going to do everything we can, everything he can, to reduce the impact on the American people, including uh, the price of gas at the tank. Gas supply companies are paying less and making a lot more. He's suggesting that the industry's outsized profits and returns to shareholders are to blame for what he calls an unexplained gap as consumer prices rise. Take a look at uh, oil prices. Uh, that is a consequence of, thus far, the refusal of, uh, of uh, Russia or, uh, or the OPEC nations to uh, pump more oil. And that's because of the supply being withheld by OPEC. The increase and the anticipated continued increase, which is I think what some of your colleagues were asking about, that that is a, a direct result of uh, the invasion of Ukraine. It's gonna go up. can anyone believe this stuff? Biden believes he can convince you that he had nothing to do with gas prices going up. That's because Biden believes you are dumb. Of course, no president is completely responsible for gas prices. You might not know this if you watch the media's coverage of the George W. Bush presidency, but it's true. And yes, Vladimir Putin is making things worse. There's no doubt about it. But Biden has been adversarial to the oil and gas industry from even before day one of his presidency. He ran on reversing Trump's efforts to produce more oil and gas. And then he got into office and overturned many of the 100 environmental rules Trump had altered, many of which specifically designed to make us energy independent. He owed favors to his supporters on the far left, and you are the one who is paying him back. When gas prices were low, he bragged about taking on big oil. When they got high, he bragged about his policies being responsible for lowering them a few cents. And now that they're at a record, he's blaming everyone else in the country for not being prepared. So does CBD work? Well, over 90% of doctors say their patients have used CBD to treat a health condition. And when 9 out of 10 patients use it, it kind of speaks volumes about how safe and effective they believe it is. Let me tell you about CBDistillery.com. With over 2 million customers and counting, CB Distillery is the source to trust for your CBD. If you have sleeping problems, uh, in a survey uh, they did, 90% of CB Distillery customers said they sleep better with CBD. How about nagging discomfort? The same survey said 80% of their customers found that CBD helped them. Go to cbdistillery.com where you order online. There's no uh, prescription required. If you use the code SDA, Stu Does America, you get 20% off. Again, enter SDA for 20% off at cbdistillery.com. It's cbdistillery.com, not available in Idaho, Iowa, and South Dakota. It's cbdistillery.com. All right, let's bring in Jesse Kelly to the program. He's the host of The Jesse Kelly Show, and I'm right with Jesse Kelly. Of course, you can get him on Premier Radio Networks and The First and on podcasts and, of course, on Twitter. Jesse, welcome to the program. Well, it's an honor for you that I'm here, Stu. It's, 
It always is. It always is, Jesse. Uh, I want to start with uh, the Ukraine-Russia situation, and particularly one piece of a poll from Quinnipiac that, that, that tells this story. As the world witnesses what is happening in Ukraine, Americans were asked what they would do if they were in the same position as Ukrainians are now. Stay and fight or leave the country. A majority say they would stay and fight, uh, 55%, but 38% said they would leave the country. However, when you break it down by party, Republicans say 68-25, they would stay and fight. Independents say 57-36, they would stay and fight. But Democrats, the majority of Democrats would flee. Does this, does this surprise you? Yeah, I'm shocked the number's that high. <laughs> if I remember right, I think it was 52% of Democrats said they'd flee and 40% said they'd stay. The, 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 the modern Democratic Party hates the country. They're not un-American, they're anti-American. And that's hard for people to hear because they remember JFK, right, total patriot. Even Bill Clinton, scummy as he was, didn't hate the country. And so it's hard for people to wrap their minds around, these people hate the place. But Stu, they freaking hate the place. Mm -hmm. And if you're being honest, you don't have to be some right-winger like I am. If you're being honest, look at every single platform of the Democratic Party. Every single part of it is America sucks. America sucks and this is why. America sucks and this is why. America sucks and this is it's an evil place, it's a racist place. It's a, it's a, every part of the platform says America sucks. It must be ripped up and rebuilt from the ground up. Well, I don't know about you, Stu. I wouldn't fight and die for something I hated. I only fight and die for things I love. Of course they would leave. I'm not surprised in the least. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, when you look at the uh, the racial uh, background of this particular poll, only 38% of black Americans said they would stay and fight for the uh, the uh, for, for the country. And it's the same story, right? Like a group of people who have been told constantly that every police officer is out to murder them every Thursday. How why would they stay and fight for this country? But why would, you're exactly right. And the thing is, you're right about the cop things, and it goes way beyond that. Think if you're a black person in this society today. Think about what uh, kind of entertainment you consume. Okay, so let's assume beyond the normal R&B stuff, let's go to rap music. Now, I'm not some square. I have some rap music on my phone. Is, is any of that a celebration of anything, or is all of it everything sucks? All right, set that aside. What are your movie options? All your movie options are, well, here's another 15 movies about slavery. We mixed in one or two about the civil rights movement. We've got some modern movies about how you're oppressed today. They're barraged from all sides about how crappy they have it. I'm not going to stay and fight for a country like that because we have, we've weaponized our own institutions against us. I talk about this a lot, Stuart. It, dri it, it drives me crazy. It's not that all our cultural institutions hate us. It's that we actually fund the cultural institutions that are destroying us. It's a wild, wild thing we got going. We're eating ourselves. It is, it is a strange way to do business. Um, I, I was thinking of you, Jesse, as this, this whole thing started with Russia and Ukraine. And you see, you know, who knows how much of this is real. And you know, there's obviously propaganda going on on both sides. But you see that a lot of Ukrainians are sitting there and really trying to defend their country and doing everything they can to, to fight in this war. And I, I remember you saying something at one point about how we are going to lose a major war. The United States is no longer the generation of World War II. We are no longer those people. And if we get challenged in a situation like this, God only knows how we react to it. Oh, we get our butts kicked. If we go up against a near peer right now, we would maybe win, maybe not win. But forget about right now. Ten years from now, we're going to get slaughtered. 
And, and the thing is, Americans don't like hearing that because we love our military, right? We don't like hearing that. We love our country. We, nobody, nobody watching your show hates America, right? Mm -hmm. So you have a bunch of people out there right now probably yelling. But listen, I am friends with more people who are still in than I can count and guys who have just gotten out. And I don't say these things to just try to uh, blow up Twitter or something like that. These guys are telling me, all the war fighters, all the real warriors, they're all getting out. And there's a second part of it. That 16, 17, 18-year-old, the guy who plays baseball, he wrestles football, maybe he's a Cub Scout, leader at church camp, whatever. The guy you want to join who wins the next Medal of Honor, he's not going in. The guy with options, the 18-year-old with options, he doesn't want to go learn how racist he is. He's not going to learn about the new transsexual movement. He doesn't want to hear pronouns. He wants to go fight for his country. And so he's going to go do something else. Our next Medal of Honor winner won't win a Medal of Honor because he'll be selling insurance in Iowa somewhere. And so if you slowly rot your military out like that and take all the real fighters out, what you're going to have is just a corrupt bunch of weak losers and they're going to get slaughtered. People were mad about 13 warriors dying in Afghanistan and they should have been, right? So we were all mad about that. Gear up. Gear up, son. Wait till a carrier group goes to the bottom of the Pacific Ocean. Because we've already had naval incidents out there because of drama on the ships. The women shouldn't even be on the ships. That's a whole other conversation we can have. We have slowly rotted our military down to something that cannot win wars. Jeez, you, you were in the military, Jesse. What's the cause of this? Like, is, is this just weak leadership? Is this from all from the political side? What is causing this? Well, it's cultural Marxism. It's just, it's just communism. What's causing it is really the education system and the fact the Democratic Party, this really began a little bit with Clinton, but Barack Obama threw it into overdrive. They realized they were missing, in their minds, a big opportunity when it came to the military. Because forever they'd kind of left it alone, at least let them go do their things, we'll go play our games otherwise. And then they thought to themselves, wait, I have this huge force, all this money behind it, why wouldn't we use that to push our message? So now, because they don't, they don't care about the country, as we talked about earlier, there's no patriotism, so they don't care about making sure the force is ready. The military, they look at it and they think to themselves, okay, well, we could do a big green job staying with the military, do a bunch more handouts to our solar panel companies. They look and think, well, we have to do well with women in the next election. Let's make sure only women can get promoted and everything's woman this and woman that, because who doesn't want a military packed full of women? And then, of course, a gay outreach, no question about it. Well, look, we want to court the voters who all want to chop their penis off. Let's get in and do it in the military, make the taxpayer fund it. And so they look at it as a big social experiment, and that's what they've done with it. And now, like I said, I call it a soft purge. It's not just the, the, the conga line of freaks we have in the military. It's that all the great dudes... They're leaving. I mean, you should see my emails, Stu. I have stacks of them here. Colonels, generals, master sergeants. Jesse, I'm getting out. Jesse, my husband's getting out. I was in for 30 years. I'm not doing this anymore. Je they're leaving, Stu. Yeah, uh, it's a huge, huge problem. And of course, it starts long before they get to the military. We're seeing it happen in schools. Uh, right now, we're seeing this in Florida, the situation with the uh, supposedly uh, completely ridiculously named don't say gay bill, which of course is not what it's named at all. Um, it, the, the, how do you fight back against this, Jesse? Because the media takes the propaganda from the left and touts it as if it's the literal name of the bill. That's what it's called on every news broadcast that I see. We're talking about a bill where you can't talk about, you know, deep sexual bizarre things with second graders 
It's a position that 98% of Americans would support, but the 2% is the media, and they're the ones controlling the conversation. How do we change that? Play offense. This is not. This is something. This 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 whole bill is not something Republicans should be on the defense about. Stu, at every level, from the RNC, National Republican Congressional Committee, National Republican Senatorial Committee, state house races, state senate races, city council races, Republicans across the United States of America should be spending their campaign dollars putting together ads about this Florida thing specifically. You don't have to be on the defensive, like you just pointed out. Parents do not want their kindergartners learning about how gay the teacher is. They don't want them learning about transsexuals. They want them learning about math and ABCs and please stop eating boogers in the back, Timmy. They don't want to learn any of this stuff. And so Republicans, because they're they're so beaten down and pathetic and afraid, it's, well, that's not what the bill says, guys. You should be bold out there. No, those guys are pedophiles. Those guys are groomers. They want to talk to your kindergartner about sex. Do you want them talking to your kindergartner about sex? No, vote for me, because they're a bunch of freaks. We should be on offense and aggressive about this. This is a winner. And instead, all everyone's playing defense in the whole country. It's awful. Now, I know you'd never single out yourself as doing a good job conveying this message because you're too humble. But like, what politician do you see? Is it DeSantis? Is DeSantis doing this right? Oh, he's doing it 100 percent right. And, 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 and I don't worship politicians. I don't wave anybody's pom poms. But I will tell you, he is setting a great example for other Republicans in the country. And honestly, part of me, when, when DeSantis comes out and says, no, that's a lie. It's not what it says. This is the parents don't want their kids learning this part of me. I'm, I'm happy about it. I see, oh, good, we have DeSantis there. And then the other part of me gets mad. Why aren't all the other Republican governors talking like this? Why isn't every Republican senator talking like this? He's giving you the blueprint. His approval numbers are there for a reason. We have the high ground, but this Republican mentality is so beaten down that when we have the high ground and our opponent is off balance, we somehow think we're losing still. Why? Because some dork at the Huffington Post wrote a nasty article about you? If they're not writing articles about you, you're a loser. You better hope they're writing articles about you. That's the idea. Yeah, I mean, you, they're going to push back no matter what. You might as well be on offense. It's the way to, to make it work. Um, let, me, uh, let me switch gears to uh, inflation and the economy and gas prices. This is something that the, the Biden White House is spending a lot of time trying to convince people who they must obviously think are the dumbest people on the planet, that they've had no impact on this. It's not their fault. This is just they've been trying. They've been, you know, gas uh, oil production is at record numbers. They're doing everything they can to convince people they had nothing to do with this. Is America going to buy it? Part of America will, but the part of America that will buy that stew is the part of America that's lost anyway. And they can say, oh, you should never write anybody off. That's ridiculous. You should write people off all the time. If you're so stupid that you believe Joe Biden didn't contribute to inflation, I've already written you off. Your opinion is worth as much to me as a cockroach on the side of the road. You're an idiot. It doesn't matter. The percentage of the population that won't buy this is high. This is honestly, it's one of the grossest things I've seen, Stu. This ranks right up there with his pandemic of the unvaccinated thing. It's, it, what grosses me out is this. Okay, you have real people hurting. Real people are making life decisions now because of inflation. I don't know if you've seen corn, uh, the rice, like these, these prices are going way up. So real people are getting hurt. And the Biden administration, there's not a single person there who's sitting down in some huddle and saying, how can we help people? People are hurting, what can we do? That conversation never crosses their mind. 
The conversation is simply, well, who do we blame? How do we message this? What's the right message on it? There's no genuine care for what people are going through at all. And I just, I, I swear, I call it evil for a reason. I, these people are evil, man. You know, it's, it's funny. It's, it's like I, I watch this stuff happen. They, they obviously know they're lying. They obviously know what they're saying has no relation to the truth whatsoever. And they're trying to spin their way out of it. And I, a lot of times I feel really pessimistic, uh, Jesse, because, you know, I mean, I don't know. I see the reaction of people and I, I feel like there's just not enough thinking people out there. But then I look at, you know, I don't know, the polls and, you know, Joe Biden's, you know, suffering in the, the, the upper 30s in approval rating. It seems like we may very well see some sort of wave election coming up uh, here in a few months. Do you have confidence in the oh, American people to sort this stuff out? Oh, yeah. Well, to some extent, yeah. Look, you can, if you're a politician, especially a Democrat, so you have Hollywood on your side and media and the education system, you can message your way into a lot of things. I mean, think about the percentage of this population, Stu, that believes driving an SUV actually hurts the planet. It's high mm. because they just had that saturation on themselves for years. But you can't message your way out of, uh, it just cost me $100 to fill up my tank. I'm not going to be able to go see my mother this year. Uh, honey, groceries cost 30% higher. We're going to have to cut back. Honey, we're going to have to cut cable because we can't afford. You can't message your way out of people having to make adjustments on their, on their lifestyle. You just simply can't message your way out of it. They're in deep, deep trouble. Yeah, they, they really are. Uh, and it'll be, I mean, the Republicans can absolutely screw this up still. So I, oh, yeah. uh, you know, don't count your ch chickens, <laughs> chickens, of course. This is the way it works. Uh, Jesse Kelly, uh, check him out on the Jesse Kelly Show. And I'm right with Jesse Kelly, Premier Radio Networks and The First. Jesse, thanks so much for coming on the program, man. Great to see you. Be good, my brother. Two years, two years after COVID hit us all. This is, I think this, today's the two-year anniversary, isn't it, of the uh, pandemic announcement, I think, from the World Health Organization. I think it's today. Anyway, uh, about two years from that date, uh, we have baseball. Yes, baseball is back. Uh, the uh, baseball uh, players union and the owners reached a deal for maintaining the 162 full uh, season. 162-game season, which is important, of course. They had canceled a bunch of games, but they were able to reschedule them. Uh, so that will go forward. It looks like April 7th, I think, is the first day. Yeah, April 7th. And um, it's interesting because you want to talk about how annoying unions are. We always complain about unions on this program. Well, you have the players uh, union, uh, which is, you know, basically all the players. And then there's a, the representatives at the top. And, you know, we never complain about the union members. It's not the people who are sucked into these things because they're going to work every day. And that's just part of their job. They have to get a union card to be able to do the job. That's never a complaint of ours. It's always the leadership. And so in this case, uh, you know, the, the owners are, you know, jacking up all of the prices of the, of, of the basic salaries, of, uh, of the luxury tax. The, the, the players want that luxury tax to go to be at a higher level so they can get more money and more teams will spend more, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they, get, they go through months and months and months of all this back and forth and back and forth. Finally, they, the, the owners give this uh, offer. And the players' union representatives rejected. I think it was eight nothing. They were all like, "No, we don't want this." And so they finally said, "Well, let's just have the whole union vote on this. Can we just get the, everybody, all the players, to vote on it?" And when that happened, it passed easily. 
the actual players were like, yeah, we want to play baseball. Can we do that? And then it was approved by uh, the uh, owners as well. 30 to nothing. So baseball is back. There is one little uh, asterisk here on the two-year anniversary of COVID. Uh, Most of the vaccine mandates are going away here in the United States. However, uh, Canada still has them. Now, this is a part where you're, you're, you're normally very values-based host uh, has a difficult uh, thing to deal with here because as uh, America's only Toronto Blue Jays fan and a Canadian sports hero myself, this may mean that some unvaccinated players from, and they may be good players, from teams in America can't cross the border to play against the Blue Jays, which could help the Blue Jays. And when tyranny helps you, you gotta go along with it. So I fully support you, Justin Trudeau. Okay, um, <laughs> again, hey, I, am I against uh, renaming schools because of uh, woke new complaints about who they're named after? Of course I am. But sometimes tyranny favors you, and when that happens, you favor the tyranny. For example, New Jersey is going to remove Woodrow Wilson from a school. And I got to say, if you're going to remove someone from a school, you should remove Woodrow Wilson from the name of your school. The guy was basically, you know, yes. okay. there's been a lot of racists in the history of America and the world. Racism is a human problem. It's not an American one. It goes back a very long time. But over the arc of history, over time, people tend to leave those idiotic skin color based things behind you know, forget the last couple of years for a second when I say that. Usually we go in the right direction. We, we smarten up a little bit. What's interesting about Woodrow Wilson is he's very similar to today's woke warriors who, decided, who have decided they want segregation brought back and they want to make skin color the most important thing about a person. Woodrow Wilson fought the tide. When racism was going away, he, he put the, uh, a, a, a wonderful light back on the KKK. He resegregated the military. He brought racism back. And of course, obviously a progressive. Uh, got a lot of schools named after him. Not as many getting, Abraham Lincoln's getting his name canceled more than Woodrow Wilson, but I'm glad to see Woodrow Wilson at least gone for the time being. And as I speak of racism, there's been no greater victim of it than our one, our beloved Jussie Smollett. Yes, Jussie somehow was not believed with his amazing I got a Subway sandwich and left the noose on my neck story uh, that he concocted to police uh, a while ago. Uh, He's, of course, a former Empire actor. Isn't Empire a former thing now? Isn't that over? Has that been canceled? I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, I don't even know if he has a job to go back to, but he's going to uh, to uh, jail right now. Uh, And this is the announcement of it. And I want you to listen to what Jussie was very concerned about. You will pay restitution to the city of Chicago in the amount of one hundred twenty thousand one hundred six dollars. You are fined twenty five thousand dollars, which is the maximum fine. And you will spend the first 150 days of your sentence in the Cook County Jail. Do you have any questions? No, I would just like to say to Your Honor that I am, uh, I am not suicidal. That's what I was about to say. Okay. I am not suicidal. Okay. I am not suicidal. I am innocent, and I am not suicidal. If I did this, then it means 
that I stuck my fist in the fears of black Americans in this country for over 400 years and the fears of the LGBTQ community. Your Honor, I respect you and I respect the jury, but I did not do this and I am not suicidal. And if anything happens to me when I go in there, I did not do it to myself. And you must all know that. I respect you, Your Honor. I respect your decision. Jail time. I am not suicidal. Okay. Chelsea Smollett is not suicidal. We'll say after hearing that, I think I am. the best acting we've seen from Jesse Smollett in his entire career. Good job. Trying to buy or sell a home in these times can be challenging. That's why you need a real estate agent who is on your side. You can't just pick anybody. You can't. What if you get Jesse Smollett as your agent? I mean, I, I don't think that's going to work out that well. You need somebody you can trust. You need someone who knows what they're doing. Someone who's not lying. Uh, you need someone who is approved and screened by realestateagentsitrust.com. It's Glenn Beck's company. He started it many years ago to make sure that you can get access to the best agents in your area. You deserve the best ones. You don't deserve just anybody. You don't deserve the guy who's got his face on the, on the bench where the homeless people sleep. You deserve better than your cousin's best friend's former roommate. You deserve a real estate agent you can trust. Get one at realestateagentsitrust.com. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Find the podcast wherever you can, probably on like a podcast app or something. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. Make sure to rate and review and subscribe. Do all the things. We do appreciate it. Uh, Greatest. It's great. Whatever. And so much more. Watch you every night on The Blaze. We do appreciate that. And that's the important thing. If you're watching on The Blaze, if you're watching on Pluto, if you're watching on YouTube, you can take a second, like when I'm blabbing about something you don't care about, go over to the podcast app and follow me there too. You can follow me everywhere. I really would appreciate it and it makes a lot of difference. Make sure this show keeps chugging. Uh, Also on YouTube, you can comment uh, on the program as we do it. And we do encourage you to do that because the evil big tech algorithm robots don't want anyone to see the show. So the more and more you comment, the more comments we get, the better the, uh, the algorithm treats us. And we do uh, care about that. Andrew says, when they say putting Biden into the presidency would be a return to normal, maybe they meant the normal of when Biden was a kid, bringing us back to the depression. <laughs> That's the best possible spin on his presidency so far. Thank you very much, Andrew. Joseph says, every time I hear that clip of Harris, I feel like I drop about 50 IQ points. Yeah, no, I know. It's like it's like deflation. Uh, anytime you, There's a lot of inflation in the country, but the IQ goes into deflation whenever Kamala Harris speaks. Okay. So here's what happened. A Florida man, obviously, named Prince Midnight, obviously, uh, had decided to make a guitar from his uncle's skeleton. Obviously. What else are you going to do with it? Right? He's going to have it hanging around all day? I don't know. So he decided he was going to pitch this to Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum. Because what else would you do with a guitar made out of your uncle's skeleton? Now, Ripley's is like, yeah, that we're known for the weird crap that we do. But no, that's a little bit too far. 
What about, however, that toilet? What toilet, you ask? Well, um, it's a working toilet. Uh, It's a used toilet. It, It was a toilet that was apparently used in a Tampa bar for a while. And it is a toilet that is fashioned in the shape of the drummer of Metallica. Now, if you're looking at the picture here on Blaze TV, I'll describe it for the podcasters. It's basically, the the drummer's in a normal position where he'd be sitting. He looks like he's sitting. He doesn't have pants on. And he's sitting behind where where you would sit. So, like, when you're sitting on the toilet, there'd just be a dude behind you, which, I don't know, seems like either the creepiest thing I've ever heard of or incredibly delightful, depending on your perspective. Now, he tried to auction this. He sent it. He pitched it to both Christie's and Sotheby's, who both said, you know, it's not really what we're looking for right now. And maybe they would have looked for his other option. Uh, The artist said, I could have done a urinal with the guitarist from Metallica, but that's not where the creative spirit was leading me. Instead, it led him to the crapper with the drummer. We'll see you tomorrow.